0: Well, we're at the end of a series called "In the Light." I pray you're ready to receive the Word of God today. If you've got your Bible, let's go to John chapter one. John chapter one, it says, "In the beginning, the Word existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him." Who's he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. And it says God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life, that being Jesus, brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. I believe it's so important in life that we see things in the right light. Often, a lot of people go wrong because they don't see things in the right light. Some things don't make sense in the wrong light. Some events, some are situations, some things we go through, some conversations. If the conversation doesn't have context, we can misread that conversation. And so it's so important that we get the right light shining on our life. Now, you've got to get this when it comes to the light of God, light. And darkness cannot coexist. In fact, it says the darkness can never extinguish the light of God. The way that you and I view the world, our worldview, how we see situations, people, events is shaped ultimately by our view of God. And I like what John says here because he's talking about Jesus and Jesus is light, now, one thing is, is darkness is not more powerful than light. You just need to switch the lights on and darkness goes. But our view of God is so important to uh, how we live out our lives. You know, right now, how do you view God? And how do you view how He's designed you to live your life? See, answers to those questions will ultimately determine our expectation and and it will determine what we ultimately outwork in our lifetime. Because our view of God is not merely philosophical. It's actually the reality from which we choose to live. Remember, just remember this, that there's an enemy out there. And the enemy of our soul is not just trying to get us to sin. What he's trying to do is to get us to embrace an inferior way of living an inferior inferior way of thinking that will ultimately get us to compromise on what God's plan is for our our life. The enemy, his role is he wants to keep us in the dark. He wants us to live outside of what we have been designed for. We need to say to the devil right now, you can't keep me in the dark because the light of God is shining in my heart. You can't keep me in the dark. And, And when it comes to darkness, The darkness in our life, I I believe there's three levels of darkness. The first level of darkness is ignorance. It's when you live unaware of God, unaware of what He has on offer. I want to declare, God's got a great life ahead of you. In fact, Jesus said Himself, He said, I came that you might have life and life abundantly. A whole lot of people don't know that. And and we're in darkness when we're unaware, when we're ignorant to what God has for us. We're also in darkness. A greater level of darkness is when we're disobedient. It's when we choose to disobey what God says is a good way to live. And And we do life our own way, even though we know we think, well, my way is better. So that's another level of darkness. But then there's a third level of darkness and that's where it's just evil. And evil is when we are controlled by the darkness. Uh, It's when we can't even stop doing the things that we don't wanna do, but there's an outworking of it and there's no consciousness of light. I believe God wants to set people free. I believe when we walk in the light, We not only just have fellowship with God, but we have fellowship with one another. You've got to understand, God has an amazing future and destiny for your life. Now, in the Bible, I love the story of Gideon. It's found in the book of Judges. And Gideon is found in a dark place. In fact, the whole nation of Israel is in a dark place because they've been controlled by the Midianites. The Midianites are ruling over them. And, and people were in a place where they are just beginning to accept, well, that's the way it is. You know, how many know there's some things in life that we shouldn't accept? But many of us have become accustomed to different things that we just tolerate them. We just think, well, it's, it's the way it is. I've just got to accept it. And I like Gideon because God calls him and anoints him to, to bring change. In fact, in in chapter 7, Gideon overhears a conversation from the camp of the Midianites. And this conversation he hears about gives him ultimately the confidence to go back and and push back on the Midianites, push back on the darkness and and say, well, no, we're not gonna live under this any longer. So we're gonna pick it up in Judges chapter 7, verse 13. And it says, And when Gideon had come, There was a man telling a dream to his companion. This is a Midianite. He said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. It's a little bit of a strange dream. (laughs) But then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else. But the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel, into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Now, I I don't know how he got from a loaf of barley uh, rolling into a tent that this was the sword of Gideon, but he came to that conclusion. And it goes on, verse 15, and it says, And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Yeah, you know, I want to ask you a question today. How would you respond? How would you respond? How would you live your life if you knew what was opposing you was actually dreaming of your victory? Because you've got to get it right here. He... he listens into a conversation and and the enemy was having a dream and the dream the enemy was having was actually of Gideon having victory over them. And and from that Gideon hears this and he he, confidence comes into him and and he goes, come on, let's arise because God has delivered the camp of Midian into our hands. Now, in the world we live in, you've got to understand there's two kingdoms in operation. There's the kingdom of light, and there's the kingdom of darkness. And there's a battle. But the battle goes like this. If you turn on the light, the darkness disappears. It's like game over. I really believe right now, God is looking for a church. In fact, the world is even waiting on a church that's going to arise and shine. Because if we arise and shine, it's like darkness doesn't have an option. Uh, So many people have said over the years, you know, about churches, oh, well, this church is the best kept secret. How many know that's not a compliment? You and I, who know God, are not, you know, just to be kept a secret. God wants to position us with light so that we can arise and shine and give testament to, to, to our amazing God. You know, for too long, the church has been kept in the dark. And, you know, the, the church has embraced an inferiority complex where, where it looks at the world and, and it even is, is looking at the things in the world and thinks, well, we, we don't measure up. But I believe when we understand God is on our side, it's, it's amazing, you know, what can happen, you know, as we realise that with God... You know, if we turn on the light, if we let the light of God shine through us, you know, nothing can stop us. In fact, the the church is meant to be an unstoppable force. Yeah, but you know, when it comes to Gideon, if we look at his life, Gideon didn't start with this boldness and with this confidence that God was gonna deliver the Midianites into his hand. If we go back a chapter into chapter six, we, we find Gideon, where is he? He's in a wine press, And he's threshing out wheat. He's in a dark place. He's hiding because he's scared of the enemy. And the angel of God turns up to Gideon, who's riddled with insecurity and fear. And he says, hey, mighty man of valor, God is with you. And right in that moment, God gives him the assignment to save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. For seven years, the Midianites had prevailed against Israel, and they'd come in, especially at harvest time, and they'd destroy the produce of the land, the, the animals and they'd leave nothing to the Israelites. In fact, Israel at this time was in an impoverished state. They were working hard, but they were harvesting little. Come on, I'm sure we've all been in a state where we're working hard, we're sowing a lot, but we're not seeing the benefits of that. And it's like the enemy was trying to come in and, and take away everything that God had purposed for their life. I love the fact in the middle of this, God has a plan. And He sends an angel. He sends an angel to Gideon. And this angel, first of all, has to deal with Gideon's insecurity. And the first thing he does is he assures him that God is with him. Now, Gideon puts him through some tests first and go, well, if it's God, you know, he puts out a fleece and God will show up and do this. And and God just assures him time and time again that that he's with him. And God says to him, come on, mighty man of valor, I am with you. Uh, So often we're wanting assurance time and time again that God is with us. But we don't need anything more than the finished work, putting our belief, putting our trust in the finished work of Jesus in, in the cross. Too many people going, well, I need a sign, God, that you're with me. Well, here's a sign, you're not dead. If you have breath in your lungs, God's got a purpose for your life. And I love you know this because all of us can feel insecure. All of us battle with questions in in our mind, uh, can I do this? And I love the fact that God calls the weak. He calls those that sometimes feel overlooked and He puts His hand on them and He gives them an assignment to to bring deliverance to many. See, we have the light. If we have Jesus, we have the light. And for us to actually fulfill our assignment, what we need to do is we need to remove what is obstructing the light. Right now, I challenge to say a lot of people's insecurity is obstructing what God wants to do through their life. They've got light, but they're, they're, they're hidden under a bucket. God wants you to arise and shine. Because one person with light can loosen the hold of the enemy. And I really believe, I want to speak prophetically today, is God wants to loosen the grip of the enemy on people's lives. But to do that, the first thing we need to deal with is we need to deal with our idols. Some of you are going, well, I don't have idols. Well, idols come in many different forms. And, and idolatry you know, was prevalent in the Old Testament. Time and time again, uh, the Israelites were drawn off and, and they'll they, they allow idolatry to come in and they'll take their focus off God. And I believe that happens a lot in modern day society. In fact, a good definition of a, an idol is when you take a good thing and you make it the ultimate thing. You take a good thing and you make it the ultimate thing. You know, it can be things in our society like sport. How I many know sport can be an idol? Sport is good, but it should never get in the way of our relationship with God, it can be a career. It can be relationships, it can be material possession, it can be money, it can be holidays even. How do you know whether you've got an idol? You know you've got an idol because you will sacrifice to it. How many people right now are sacrificing their relationship with God to a career? You know something has idol status when you sacrifice your time to engage with that thing. And it's like Jesus then drops down the priority list. Uh, You know it it is when when you dream of everything and anything else other than God's purpose and plan for your life. I wanna say again, you're not where you are by chance. God has got an assignment. He's got a mission for you to fulfill. You carry light. And that light in you is there to shine into dark spaces. Come on, it may be in your workplace, it may be in your home, in your community. God, God has a calling for you to fulfill. And we need to first make sure that the enemy has no grip on our life. In fact, I, I really believe God, God is saying in the season, the enemy is loosening his grip. He's been exposed. And I find when the enemy is losing his grip, that's when a lot of commotion happens in our life. Right now, if you feel like you're under attack, it's only because the enemy is, is losing his hold on your life. Uh, if he has no hold, it's like, well, there's nothing more to say. Again, when light comes in, darkness goes. Nothing can hold you back. You, know, you don't need to be kept in the dark when it comes to God's plan and purpose for your life. God, I really believe God wants to illuminate. He wants to, uh, uh, people to see what He wants to do in and through them in the next season. The enemy won't disturb you if he's got a hold on you. But if you have got some things going on that you don't understand, maybe it's simply because the enemy's losing his grip. And one person with light can, can actually bring about a great victory. For the kingdom of God. And and we see this with Gideon because Gideon actually goes in, he steps up to the plate and he destroys the altars of Baal. And that upset a whole lot of people. But later on in chapter 7, what we see is Gideon, he's awake early in the morning and he's gathered the army and he's positioned them by the well. And what God does is he comes to Gideon. And, and, and let's pick it up in verse 2. And, and it says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many. They're too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Uh, this is crazy. Because if we're up against a fight, up against an enemy, you know, often you want to gather as many as you can. But here God says to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. Now, the Midianites, the Bible tells us, they had a massive army. In fact, in their army, they had camels that couldn't even be numbered. Gideon has 32,000 people and he's up against an army that has camels that can't be numbered. And God comes to him and says to him, Gideon, you've got too many. And God says, come on, I want you to break this down. You know, For us to experience victory, so often we think the problem is that we have too little. And we stay in the dark because we think we've got too little. Could it be the problem we have that's stopping us experiencing the victory that God wants to bring to our life is that we actually have too much? Yeah, what do we have too much of? We have too much of our own thinking. Too much of our own ideas, too much of, of other people's opinions affecting our lives. You know, we're, we're in a lot of ways in our society today. We come too much for God, and God says, "Hey, I can't give you victory unless you break this down. Because if I do, you think you would have accomplished the victory." And and what had happened? You know, if we look through Israel's histories. History is Israel had become stubborn and they have been hard to move. In fact, God time and time again described the Israelites as people who have stiff necks. Have you ever had a stiff neck before? Having a stiff neck can be quite debilitating. It's not like you can just turn to the right or turn to the left. When you've got a stiff neck, it's like you've got to turn your whole body to be able to see different things. In fact, you know, I believe a lot of us can't see our blind spots because we've got stiff necks. And I found whatever way your head is facing, that's the direction your body tends to follow in. If, if your head is facing this way, your body will come around and go in that direction. You don't see people walking down the street like this. Well, maybe you do from where you live, but not where we are right now. And God has said, yeah, You got a stiff neck and, and you're hard to move. And God's saying to Gideon, You need to break this down. You need to break this down. And he gives him instruction in verse 3. He says, Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once to Mount Gilead. And get this. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. So he starts off with 32,000 against an army that can't be numbered and he dismisses 22,000. And now he's left with 10,000. So what was hard has just become harder. I believe if, if you wanna experience God's victory in your life, you can't be loyal to the wrong people. See, see what fear is. Those with fear had to go. fear is faith in the wrong thing. And what fear will do is it will cause you to be a glory hunter. <laughs> see, see, I can't, he says, I can't give them victory like this because otherwise they'll claim glory for themselves. No. Now, some of you haven't heard of that term glory hunter before. Here's the deal. A glory hunter is not a blues supporter. <laughs> a glory hunter is somebody that chooses a team that has high odds of winning. It's like in the NBA, those going for the Brooklyn Nets right now. You know, there's a high chance. They've got a super team, high chance of winning. And so I'm going to support them because, you know, I want to be part of their glory, the glory that they're going to get. You know, but supporting a team that maybe is in your home city that's not doing too well. You know, how many know that takes guts to support them? In fact, when does a team need your support the most? Not, Not when they're winning, but when the odds are stacked against them, that's why, you know, come on, all you warrior supporters, you need to keep the faith. But I want to say, if, if you want to do something great for God, you can't be a fear with fickle Christian. Yeah, you know, you've got to understand, yeah, the odds may be stacked against you, but you've got God on your side. And God says to Gideon, even with this 10,000 now, there's still too many. And then the army gets reduced down again, it gets reduced down to 300 people. So he goes from 32,000 to 300. 99% of what he started with is gone. I've found any victory God gives us is at least 99% about him and 1% about us. And, And so Gideon's army is reduced So he must fight by faith or not at all. And I believe God brings us to points in our life where He says, you're either going to believe in me or you're just going to stay where you are. You know, what was hard before now has become impossible. And what God does is God provides recruits for His faith and He removes the doubters. Because doubt has destroyed dreams. I want to say, uh, make sure you surround yourself with people who are going to add to your faith, encourage you in your faith, not cast doubt or or throw shade on it. A God dream doesn't come about by strengthening your flesh or strengthening, let's just strengthen our flesh. No, a God dream comes about by dying to our flesh and putting our trust in, and a supernatural God who wants to do amazing things through our life. Come on, if you believe that right now, I want you to give God a clap of praise. Now, now, just quickly but in finishing, I want us to look at the weapons that Gideon went into battle with. What did he go into battle with? Against this army that couldn't be numbered. He went into battle with a trumpet, a jar, and a torch. A trumpet, a jar, and a torch. Talk about weapons of mass destruction. What are you going to do with a trumpet? Are you going to blow the enemy's eardrums out? Fighting with a trumpet is awkward. How are you going to get victory that way? It's like trumpets are found in battles, but they're normally found in the hands of one or two. But here's the difference. All 300 had their own trumpet. All 300 in Gideon's army carried a trumpet because after all, everyone needs a trumpet. They had a torch and they had a jar. They had a clay jar. How many know when it comes to precious contents, if we've got precious contents, uh, we want to make sure that they are looked after well. You put precious contents in valuable containers. It's like when you have your first child, taking your first child home from hospital you want to put them in a nice car seat, and you make sure, even in your driving home, that you're you're, you're really careful. You know, I never drove so carefully than when I took Michaela home for for the first time. I was like, man, I got precious cargo. The America's Cup, which we just run, I'm told uh, uh, one. I'm told that that cup, the old mug, is actually when it travels, it travels first class. But when it comes to precious cargo in the kingdom of God, God does it a little bit different. God places his most precious stuff in earthen vessels. Why does he do that? He does it so that others will see and experience the treasure of Christ rather than being impressed by the vessel. Come on, you ever received a gift and the packaging was more impressive than the gift? You know, I thought, man, this is going to be a great gift and you open it up and it's just full of straw. I want to say when it comes to God, the gift on the inside is always more valuable and impressive than the packaging. Because it's what's on the inside that matters. In fact, Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 1 verse 24 and it says, And they glorified the God in me. They didn't glorify me. Too many people, they're looking for glory. But, but if we're to shine light, we need to see people glorify the God that is in us. Because after all, we're just jars of clay. We're, we're fragile beings who handle difficulty differently. See, what happens when a clay pot gets bumped and knocked around? And cracked. What happens is the contents spill out. And right now, I want to say you can be going through a difficult time, and you can be bumped around and cracked. But here, that's an opportunity for the light to shine in, in, into the dark place. See, the knocks in our life isn't because God has abandoned us. It, it's because He believes that you and I are actually treasure holders. And. and And if there's knocks and bumps, it's simply because there's treasure in there. And when we're faced with impossibility, let's make sure that we we don't spill. What comes out of our life isn't stuff that doesn't look like, doesn't taste like or smell like Christ. When we go through difficulty, our sacrifice should bring out the aroma of Christ. Now, you've got to get this. That doesn't mean that we're not afraid when we step out. Because just like Gideon, each of us feel fear. In fact, he wasn't released. I'm sure he felt fear, but he wasn't released to go home. 31,700 people were dismissed. 300 people were held back for what looked like in the natural a death sentence. 300 people going up against an army that can't be numbered. Being held back be, is not a nice feeling. Come on, there's times where we all feel like we're being overlooked, undervalued. We feel like we're in the minority. You know, we feel like we're always the ones who get the crap jobs. But don't get upset at the liberty of others who were dismissed. In fact, Psalm 73 puts it really well. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. Because I envied the proud. I envied those who have been dismissed. But when I saw them prosper and when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness, they seemed to live such painless lives, and their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. You know, how many know we can look at people and go, i got it sorted. Why do I have to go through this? The psalmist goes on and he says, until I went to the sanctuary, I saw the end. And Gideon, like you and I, was a clay pot who had questions like you and I do. So much so that it took an angel to appear to him and told him to tell him God is with him. He needed assurance along the way. And today I'm here to give you assurance that God is in you. And that light in you, no darkness can extinguish it. And God told Gideon to take some of them and to sneak down to the Midianites camp. And it was there. He overheard a conversation. God brought him into a conversation where the enemy had a dream. And in the dream, they dreamed about Gideon's victory imagine going into a big game and the opposition's dreaming of your victory how many know you've won even before the whistle's been blown you've already got an advantage I want to say we've got an advantage right now because because what we're afraid of in a lot of places actually is actually more afraid of us some of us are afraid of spiders But a lot of times that spider is more afraid of us. Even sharks, they say in some places, you know, we're afraid of sharks, but could it be sharks that are actually more afraid of us? And I want to say that thing that you're afraid of right now, you got God on your side. And when you got God with you and God for you, you don't need to fear. Gideon didn't have a plan to fight the enemy, but to frighten the enemy, to put the enemy on notice. See, a trumpet in the hand of a warrior gave the impression that it wasn't just 300 individuals. It was actually 300 companies of people. Because every trumpet didn't just represent that individual. You've got to understand, you and I right now, we're backed up by heaven's army. We may feel like an individual, but right now we've got the backing of heaven. And the clay pots, what were they all about? They, they allowed them to surprise the enemy. See, at the right time when they were to- on top of the Midianite camp, they cracked them and out came their light. And you've got to understand, you may feel like a crack pot, <laughs> and you may feel vulnerable, but it's our vulnerability, it's our weakness that actually displays God's strength. And it's from there that we become light and that light shines into those dark places. And what happened is the enemy was startled and confused that they they began self-destructing. I wanna say, and I feel like this in so many places where you feel like you've been unfairly treated. I believe the enemy is about to be exposed. In some places he's overplayed his hand. But when you got God for you, you got to understand this, nothing can stand against you. And I want to declare victory in every situation where the enemy has kept you in the dark, where the enemy has kept you in fear, where he's intimidated you. Because I really believe this is our time and this is our hour to shine as a church. You know, we don't want to just be camped out in a little corner of society. Uh, The church that God died for it, that Jesus purchased with His precious blood. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter one. He says, The church I, you, I see is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. And I believe God is raising up a group of people who are gonna shine light into dark places. Come on, it's your time to shine. It's time to send the enemy into disarray because we have victory today and our victory is found in Jesus you got to understand, you don't need to be afraid of the enemy. The enemy's more afraid of you because you got Jesus on your side. So right now, wherever you are, I want to pray for you. And I want to say, come on, mighty man, mighty woman of valor, God is with you. God, right now, I pray that your presence would come and touch every person listening to this right now. I pray that you come and bring freedom. You'd expose the enemy's plan. Lord, He has no right to keep Your people in the dark. And I thank You, God, that when light comes in, it extinguishes darkness. Darkness is left without an option. And right now, where there's darkness in our world, let us be Your light that we might see Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this right now. Right now, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, friend, you can know the light of God in your life simply by opening your heart to Him. Today, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a prayer of faith away. And it's our faith in God is what gets us right with God. So if you don't know Jesus, how about just praying this prayer right now? Dear Jesus, I come to you. I open my heart. And today I choose to put my trust in you. I thank you, I am forgiven. And I thank you for dying on the cross, paying the price of my sin, that I might know you, that I might live for you. Today, I give my heart to you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you pray that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. I pray today you've been blessed by this ministry. Please do get in touch if there's any way that we can help. Otherwise, we'll see you sometime soon.